Good morning, everybody. Morning, Timmy. Good morning, Peter. Um, all right, so we're going to be starting actually a new section over here on, uh, on Geneva's Das, Acceptable Marketing. Uh, and this is going to be what is permissible to market and what isn't in Halacha, Chayish, and Mishpat. Um, and Shaila actually just came up for me that I wanted to advertise for this uh, Purim party that's coming up. And I wanted to put biggest Purim party in, or biggest Purim Su'uda in Sydney. Uh, and the question is, am I allowed to write such a thing, right? I didn't do uh, big market research over here to see you know, if there's any bigger ones. Uh, but naturally what happens is when um, there's uh, social capital, right? One of the, uh, in psychology, uh, people are more willing to buy or sign up to an event when they know everybody else is doing it, right? So if they know, oh, this is the biggest one, this is the one that I want to go to as well, right? So people put on their website, they put testimonials. And basically what that does is when they post the testimonial, then everybody else is like, wow, that person was uh, satisfied with their product. I'm going to sign up for this product as well. Uh, and that's why when it comes to dentistry, teeth, right, whitest teeth, and they'll put uh, 10 people, testimonials, that they were happy, even though it's only a select few, you don't know about the other customers. But just seeing those select few that were satisfied with the product is going to be much more likely for you to actually go ahead and purchase that product. Uh, similarly, if you, you know, scarcity tactics, oh, deal is only available for the next uh, 20 minutes, uh, right? And uh, you see the countdown timer at the top. Uh, so now you're much more likely to make that impulsive buy and to go ahead and click the buy button, right? Naturally, oh, I don't know, maybe there's a better product out there. But when you see, oh, it's only available for 20 more minutes or only available for another day, uh, so then you're much more likely to buy. But what happens after those 20 minutes are up or that day is up, so then the, the bonus offer or the discount offer just refreshes. <laughs> uh, so if you check back after those 20 minutes or after that day, the deal is still there. So is it mutter for if you're marketing your product, right? You want to get customers uh, to, to, make that, uh, to make that buy, to click the buy button. Uh, is it permissible to give a limited time discount offer uh, when it's really not limited time, it's just going to be a new offer after that, uh, right? So in the fall, you do special fall bonus, and then in uh, and uh, Thanksgiving Black Friday special, uh, and then that turns into your fall special, and then that turns into your winter special, and it's really all the same throughout the year. You have the same deal going on, uh, but it kind of gives it this scarcity uh, that makes people more likely to buy. Is that permissible marketing? Is that not permissible marketing? Uh, and then we'll have to get into, uh, are you allowed to Photoshop your product, right? Let's say, um, Sam, remind me what you do again? Uh, what practice? Not Photoshopable. No? <laughs> not Photoshopable. Uh, okay. Uh, so, so, yeah, somebody's doing, uh, let's say, plastic surgery or dentistry, right? So they, can, they make, uh, can they take picture of somebody's teeth before and after uh, and then send it to the graphic designer, make it a little more white than usual uh, and uh, add an extra shine, right? So all these things, they do extreme Photoshop. Um, somebody told me once they work in, like, media slash uh, fashion uh, and they said, like 90% of what they do to the to the models uh, on the fashion side is like all Photoshop, right? So they change the skin tone, 
uh, color of the teeth, right? All this stuff is, and they end up photoshopping. Same thing when you, with your box of cereal, all right? You, uh, it never looks like what you actually get inside the box. <laughs> uh, and they have a, on a, like small letters in the bottom, enlarged to show texture, right? So if you're like, you know, looking with a magnifying glass, then you, then you could see, oh, it's actually enlarged to show texture. Not only is it enlarged, but it's also photoshopped as well. They're changing the color tones and everything like that. Uh, so is that something that's permissible in halacha? Would you have to put a sign that says enlarge to show texture or enhance to show texture uh, or enhance to make it look better? Uh, so in halacha, would a person have to do all those steps when he's marketing his product? What's permitted? What's not permitted? Let's dive in all the way from the beginning of the Gemara. Uh, Just exactly Ganeva's Das. So yes, it ties into Ganeva's Das. Uh, but it, we'll see it's a little bit different because Geneva's Das, we had opinions that hold it's, it's Gizela Midaraisa. Over here, it would depend if you're tricking the person or if you're just uh, making your product look better than it actually is. So then it might not be Geneva because you're not necessarily stealing from the person, uh, but it might go into the category of like Sheker um, and. It would still be Geneva's Das, it just might not be Daraisa, Geneva's Das, where you actually make money off of it. Because They'll just have, would you give them the wrong concept of your product? Right, right. Uh, give wrong, con and it's more of like a push to buy, an unfair push for him to buy your product as opposed to actually stealing. Meaning over here, you're not tricking the person. You're not giving him like something totally different. And it could be he would have, he probably would have bought it anyways, but you're making your product look better than all the other products on the market. So he's going for your product over somebody else's. Right. Isn't the uh, question just be, is the thing that you're saying your product does or looks like true. Or yeah, not. <laughs> yeah. So if it's not true, so then yes, it would go under Geneva's Das, uh, and it would be a form of Geneva. However, we categorized it back when we did Geneva's Das. Uh, we said it might either be stealing or it might be uh, the Rambam learns that it's more of a, it goes under the category of Sheker because he puts it under uh, under Mada, which is uh, attitudes that a person that a person has, and he puts it under. Uh, like where Sheker goes and Lashon Hara, uh, lying and speaking Lashon Hara, and then he puts uh, Geneva's Das under that category. Uh, so the Rambam learns that it's more of um, that it's more of a it's more like lying, uh, as opposed to the other Rishonim that we saw. They hold that it's a real form of Geneva of stealing. Um, okay, uh, so let's begin with the sugya and Bava Mitzia in Parak Hazav, all the way at the bottom of the Nun Tesamad Beis, the last line over there where the Mishnah begins. Uh, so we're going to have two Mishnayas that really kind of open up this whole concept of uh, fake marketing or false advertising uh, or luring people into your store using gimmicks. Uh, that don't necessarily tie into your product, right? Like, uh, let's say you put some kind of form of entertainment uh, by, let's say you're a grocery store owner and you want to put like a clown to bring in the kids and so that they'll want to come to the store. The example that the, that the Mishnah brings is a, the, you hand out nuts, which nuts were like candy back then, right? So you hand out uh, candy to the kids uh, in order so that the kids want to come to your stall over everybody else's stall. And once the, the kids are coming, they bring the parents and they're like, ah, oh. so then they're much more likely to bring in. But that has nothing to do with your, with your product. The fact that you're giving out candy, it doesn't mean that your, your product is any better. You just have, you know, a, a lure. So you, ha you have some bait to, <laughs> to bring in the kids so that they're there anyways. 
Uh, and then psychologically that sparks reciprocity. Reciprocity is when I give you something for free, uh, it's never free, right? Everybody who, uh, who knows these uh, bi business meetings, right? You take out your clients for a free dinner. Uh, and then what happens is that they got a, they got a free dinner. They feel uh, this need for reciprocity. They feel this need to, to pay back the favor uh, and to go through with the business deal. Uh, so you're much more likely if you give somebody a free dinner, you give them free candy, it's not really free. The parents feel, oh, they gave my kid a free candy, I owe them back to, to buy this person's product. Uh, so is that something that's permitted in halacha? Uh, something, that's what the second Mishnah is going to discuss. Uh, so now we're in the first Mishnah, bottom of the New Testament base, and it says, beperos, afilu A person is not allowed to mix the fruit of one field with the fruit of another field. Over here, it doesn't necessarily mean fruit specifically. It's actually referring to anything you can make grain out of. Uh, so it could be flour, barley, spelt, uh, anything that you would dry up, then grind, make a flour out of. Uh, so it's saying you can't mix the, the wheat of one field with the wheat of another field. Even if it's two new fields, meaning they're relatively new, uh, for sure not new fruit, uh, new, uh, new flour, new wheat with old wheat. Uh, so basically what happens is that the old wheat, it dries out a little bit more. Uh, so you're going to get more, uh, more produce per pound. Right? So people go to the store, they wonder why biltong is uh, $100 a kilo. Um, right? Wow, this is like way overpriced. What happens is, is actually two-thirds of it is water weight and it ends up, they're drying it out. Uh, so you're only getting a third or a fourth of, uh, of meat <laughs> per, uh, so it really should be, you know, three or four times more expensive than buying fresh meat, because fresh meat is uh, two-thirds uh, water weight. Here you're drying it all out. Uh, so yeah, that's why it's three times the price for, that you're paying $100 a kilo for biltong uh, over your fresh meat, which is $30 per kilo or whatever it is. Uh, so the same thing over here, right? The more you dry out your grains, so then the more dense it's going to be and the more produce you're getting per pound. So that's why uh, old, old, um, old flour is actually better than, uh, than new wheat kernels and therefore um, you can't mix one with the other, even though it's not like a mekachtos, right? It's not like a huge deal or like you're tr tricking, but it's not, uh, it's not yashras, right? It's... Uh, um, it would go under the category of some kind of Geneva's Das um, or false marketing, right? You're marketing it as, because the person is looking at your field, he sees it's a new produce that just came out, uh, but really, sorry, he, he's looking and he sees that it's older produce and really you mixed in some newer produce, which is worth a little bit less uh, because it has more water weight in it. Uh, so, so really they said that when it comes to wine, it's mutter for a person to mix uh, kasha is a harsher wine with softer wine. Uh, so you have our harsher wines, uh, like uh, I guess Syrah would be a harsher, stronger, more bold wine. And then you have your Merlot Cabernet, which is like a softer, kind of more mellow taste. Uh, so really they said uh, that a person is permitted to Mix in the stronger wine with the softer wine, uh, because it makes it taste a little bit better. Meaning that's something that's normal to do, to mix two wines together because you're trying to get a certain blend 
uh, of flavor. So you want a little bit of punch, but also the smoothness of the softer wine. So therefore a person's allowed to mix them together. It makes it taste better. And you're going for a certain kind of flavor profile in your wine. That's permitted. But when it comes to mixing in the sediment of the wine, that's already not permitted because the flavor isn't coming from the wine itself. It's coming from the sediment that you're putting in. Uh, but you can give um, you can give the sediment uh, separately. Uh, so you can give the sediment separately. Rashi says that the Gemara is going to explain exactly what that means. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see later. Mishin uh, Isarev, but what we do see is that there's a certain... It's normal to add in other kind of blends of wine, uh, but to give... Uh, but to add in other things that don't belong in there, like the sediment of the wine, uh, or maybe natural flavorings, right, to enhance the quality of the wine, uh, or something like that would not be permitted because those are substances that people aren't expecting. And if they're getting a, a, a good flavor from it, it's really coming from uh, a foreign thing that, doesn't, that they're not expecting to be in there that you're putting in. Uh, so it's also to put something that people aren't expecting into the wine, even if it's going to make it taste better, because you're basically enhancing your product from something that wasn't advertised. Uh, so that'll tie into the halacha as well, that if you don't advertise something, uh, right, if you put in uh, artificial flavorings or natural flavorings into your food product without advertising that it's there, that would not be permitted because it's a, it's a fake flavor or a fake color uh, that's coming to your product and that it's, you're not show, if you're not showing it on the ingredients or not telling people uh, that it's artificial coloring, uh, or that you put something else in there, uh, so then that's not permitted because people are thinking that your product is better than it is, uh, and that's not considered uh, acceptable marketing for your product. They think it's better than it is, and it's something that they're not expecting. Um, okay, uh, so now we get into... Uh, we're good? Mishan is Arif. continues on the Mishnah. Mishan is Arif Mayim Beyeno, Loyim Karene Bachanas. If a person mixes in a water into his wine... Right, so over here also, you're getting increased amount of volume, uh, and it's something that the customer is not uh, expecting, right? That there should be some wine, it's diluted a little bit. Loyim uh, so you're not allowed to sell that in the store because you're diluting the wine, selling it to the customer. He thinks it's pure wine, uh, so he's paying, you know, the market value for it, and really it's worth a little bit less because it's diluted. Uh, you have to let the customer know there's 10% water, 20% water in here. Velola Tagar, and you're not allowed to sell this to, um, to another merchant, meaning if he's going to resell this wine now, uh, even if you let him know that it's mixed in, with, there's some water mixed in, it's usher to sell it to another merchant. Why? Because you know that this merchant is now going to flip it and sell it to the next customer, and he's not going to tell the next customer that there's wine, that there's, that there's water mixed in. Uh, so it's kind of like uh, Geneva's Das of the next person that you're selling it now to this merchant who's going to resell it and not tell the next customer. Uh, so because you know that he's going to resell it, not tell the next customer, you're not allowed to sell it to him in the first place, even if you let him know that there's some water mixed in uh, because we're afraid he's going to trick the next person. Uh, so we see how far it kind of goes, the, the concept of uh, Yashris and Geneva's Das, that even if you know that it's uh, it's the next person who's going to do it, not you directly, still also to to perpetuate 
that. Uh, precedent anywhere else? I mean, is there other things that we can't give to people because we're worried that they're going to use it? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, there's a case of a cherishot of a katan, uh, like a blind person or a um, person who doesn't have full das. Uh, you're not allowed to give him a fire, or and you're the one who's uh, who's liable for the damages. Um, and there's other cases as well where you have to be careful giving something to somebody who you know you can't trust because you know what they're going to end up doing. And already by you giving them the fire or you giving them the the power tool right to your to your five-year-old, you know he's then going to go. <laughs> Uh, sorry, not your five-year-old, even another five-year-old, right? So you're not liable for his damages. But the fact that you gave a, a jackhammer, a power tool to a five-year-old, that in itself was... Uh, That's definitely more extreme because over there, the person, the, the, the person you're giving it to doesn't have the wherewithal to control themselves. Yeah, in that yeah, yeah. Ah, so now you're saying, here he's a full bardas. He's a full yeah. bardas. He's somebody who has uh, his own full level of knowledge. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Like, yeah. you know, uh, maybe he will tell. Maybe he. Yeah. Uh, Gabriel's right. Uh, this, it's not a good uh, comparison over here. Uh, okay, I'll have to think of another case where you can't do. There's definitely cases. I just can't think of one off the top of my head. Say it's, it's, um, it's stumbling block in front of a blind man because you know you're giving him the opportunity to be able to do this really easily. Right. Uh, and you know that the average person isn't on your level of uh, of yashas of um, uh, of honesty. Uh, so, and if somebody's buying from you this kind of shady wine that has some water mixed in, you have to already start thinking, what, why does he want to buy this wine? And particularly if he's a merchant, he probably is thinking, oh, I can get an extra profit off it if I resell it to somebody else. Could be. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so you're, you're, not, you're not allowed to make that first sale, though. That's what we're saying at this point. You're not allowed, not allowed to sell the car. So if I have a car, I can't, in honesty, sell my second-hand car because I'm worried about what he's going to do with it. If it's a, if it's a, a, a used car salesman. Yeah. Meaning, Me, if you have a fault in your car, right? Let's say you have a broken axle or, you know, uh, one of the knuckles are, are wiggly. Uh, so now c you can't sell it to somebody else uh, if it's like a normal Honestly issue. Yeah, yeah, and hide it. it. I have a broken axle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so yeah, you would have so to that tell. Person buys it with the broken axle, and then they take it on the market and they sell it again. How is that on me? Yeah. Uh, so it's not unless you know that the person is planning on on reselling. Something's wrong. Is something's wrong. Better. But you're not. There's there's no risk that person number two can market this as a perfect car. We're talking about a case here where there is actually a risk. There is a good chance. There's a chance that he can turn around and, and say that it's perfect. Wine. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's Okay. Fair enough. Uh, I was like, how can I be responsible? I'm responsible <laughs> for me. Yeah. So, so generally, you're right. You're not. But if you know that this person's buying... You buy your suits from China 
and you sell them as wool. That's the same. Yeah. You know it's polyester. Oh no, you're hoodwinking people. Yeah. It's different. No, but so then you're tricking people on the quality. To somebody, to a suit salesperson, and say, I know this is not wool. This is fake. They might sell it. They're going to sell it. Yeah. That's different. Just labels and all. Yeah. Um, and they have, like, when you go to Vietnam and all the peddlers, 100% pashmina, like, right, the most expensive, but they're selling it for $4, like, not, not actually possible. And they put, like, soft stuff, they mix in whatever they do. Uh, so, like, to sell something like that, uh, there are a lot of resellers, and if you go to the old city, they sell the same scarves that they buy in Vietnam, they resell them there. Uh, so like you know there's no way this is pashmina for four dollars a scarf <laughs> uh, so w- wouldn't be permitted to, to sell something like that because you're tricking the customer uh, unless you'd be up front and be and instead of advertising 100% maybe cut off the pashmina label and people could feel it themselves oh it's very soft uh, but at least you're not fooling them on the material like Sam mentioned uh, these uh, wool 100% wool really they're polyester yeah uh, and they're able to modify the polyester more and more to look like wool. Uh, it's pretty wild. Like, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so now we have. Um, okay. So we have the, the the mixing the water with the wine case, uh, which we said is for sure usher because people are expecting 100% wine. You're mixing in the water. If you let him know, it's mutter, but only if he's, you know he's not planning on reselling and tr- tricking that. What about flavor enhancer into food? Yeah. Is that permissible? Uh, so it depends what people are expecting, meaning if you have processed foods, people are expecting some kind of natural flavor or that you're going to mix in something. But if you're selling 100% pure olive oil, uh, people aren't expecting and... Yeah. It's not like... I was just thinking of something like Coca-Cola as an example. Yeah. We know that it's poison. Yeah. But we're allowed to have it in our house. It's kosher. Yeah. So how is that like the loss of logic? Yeah. <laughs> so how does that uh, translate? Like yeah. They're adding something in to make it something it's not, and they're poisoning us at the same time, but it gets a headshot. Yeah. So how do I... I've never been able to quantify that. Yeah. These things are difficult because... In, in, in moderation, they're not necessarily going to kill you, right? So there's no like, right, if I have a thing of Coke, uh, it's killing me, <laughs> like not cyanide. Uh, but at the same time, it's not healthy. Uh, kosher doesn't necessarily mean physical health, right? I can eat a terrible diet and keep kosher. Another example I have in the food industry is bisley. Yeah. A small amount of bisley can hurt you. Yeah. It's got MSG in it. Yeah. It's putting you in hospital. But it's got uh, extra on it. Yeah, yeah. And it's a widespread issue. Yeah. It's a chemically created flavor enhancer that's allowed to be put into food. Right. And it's deemed as kosher. Yeah. So that's already a, yeah. I mean, that's a big argument if MSG is unhealthy or not. Uh, I've heard both sides, so I'm, I'm, I don't take a stance. Uh, but yeah, so some people will argue that it is, uh, kills rats in experiments. Other people will argue, yeah, if you like dilute it down into its purest form, it's going to kill rats, but otherwise not unhealthy. Uh, so I don't know, I don't, <laughs> I don't get involved. I just don't understand. Yeah. As long as they're advertising, okay, there's poison in it, you're Yes, yes. Similarly to cigarettes, they have in the front. This will kill you. Smoking picture. kills. Picture yeah. lungs. Cigarettes are, are okay. If you have an addiction problem, they'll still sell it to you. But if you don't put the pictures, you may have a start. 
Uh, so yeah, it, it, same thing. Like it's your responsibility when you buy a product to check the ingredients. You're not tricking somebody and putting MSG to make it taste better and not advertising. You're putting the advertising in there. Uh, it would be questionable if you're like if you put it in really small and uh, or you do like a little asterisk. You know, it contains MSG and it's in tiny letters that you can hardly read and you need a magnifying glass. Uh, so then, okay, but, but uh, at least you're putting it on the label and you're being upfront about what's in about what's in your product. Yeah, and it's the yeah it's the buyer's responsibility to do his diligence into what the Bisley contains or any other product. Um, okay. <laughs> Uh, okay, so now moving on to the bottom of Daf Samach Hamad Aleph. We have the second Mishnah over here. Uh, so this will go, go get into the second category. So the first one was like mixing in different kinds of things and like water or mixing in old produce with new produce uh, where, you know, if you're putting something that doesn't belong there or where the buyer isn't expecting or old wheat, which is a little, uh, which you're getting more value for. He's expecting old wheat and you mix in a little bit of new wheat. Uh, so that's all usser. You said even two fields that are both the same age. Uh, yeah, even the same age, because one's going to be a little bit different and not what the, because the buyer looked at the at one field and you're mixing in from another field, which might have a slightly different uh, flavor. Climate yeah, climate, flavor, uh, soil. What's it called? Terroir? Terroir? Does kosher flour come from one field? Uh, th- there it's mixed in, but it's not like the buyer went to check out the field and be like, oh, I want 10 pounds of this produce from the field. Uh, so there it would be different. You're selling it as flour. Do you have to label it, though? It says 100% flour. Do you have to say it's from this field, this field, this field, and this field? No, no, because there you're buying the flour you're regardless the flour. of the field. The, oh, yeah. yeah, the case in the Mishnah is where the person, you brought the person to the field and he said, oh, I want, uh, he looked, he took a look at your produce from the field so and then he said, I want. It's just an example, but it goes for coffee and other things as well. Yeah, like if you went down to the coffee farm and you said, oh, I like the taste of these beans and the quality and you did your... Uh, this is a muscle for all other kinds of beans. Yeah. All grains and produce. Um, yeah, grains and produce. Like even peaches. Or yeah, it's it, pears with pears. Yeah, so if you go down to the field and you said, and right, you implied I want from this field and then you take from another field and mix it in, that would not be, that would already be Gneva's Das. But uh, if you're buying it in the store, you're not expecting it to be any from any field. You don't care if it's from uh, Jose's field. A lot or of times in the apple juice or orange juice, on the, uh, at least in the States, sometimes here as well, they'll say it's growing here, here, here. Also like spring water, they'll say it's taken fall and spring, for example, from this spring, this spring, this spring. They'll yeah. show you the yeah. locations and it's mixed in or whatever. Yeah. They do. So in that case, if you'd mix from another, if, from another spring or from another orchard, then it would, uh, then it would be us. Yeah. yeah. So if you advertise that to be from Florida's Florida Florida oranges, if it's what? If you tell them what it is, you're not hoodwinking. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so you just have to be upfront with what you're selling. Yeah. Uh, okay. So now sec- moving on to the second mission over here. Rabbi Huda Omar lo yichala kachen veni kolayos vegosim letinokos Rabbi Huda holds that a person is not allowed to give out these uh, these uh, these nuts to the kids, which was the equivalent of candy back then, uh, to make all the uh, all the kids rush uh, to toward your store. 
Uh, so you're not allowed to hand them out in the front of your store in order to bring people in, uh, like as kind of a lure, uh, some kind of bait uh, to your to your um, stall. Because you're, you're making them come to you, uh, but it has nothing to do with the actual product that you're selling. It's like a kind of an ex- external if you had bait. A candy store, it'd be okay. Yeah, if you had a candy store, so then you're actually giving. Yeah. So samples, even Rabbi Huda holds, is permitted, right? Oh, you're, uh, you're always in the mall somewhere, and then the Israeli guys come over, they start rubbing some dead, skin, dead sea skin products into your hand. And you're like, oh, wow, that actually is pretty good. You smell it. Uh, so there you're getting a sample. Uh, that would be permitted because you're sampling the actual product that represents the actual product. But if it's something completely different, like a lure. yeah, some kind of lure. And that can even be some form of uh, a magic show in front of your store to like get everybody there. And then once they're there, well, the uh, you're offering products, another. Like cereal boxes. They have these little mentions for kids or collect cards or whatever. That's a promotion that comes well, with I mean, the company. Like, yeah. What's with that? Um, or like, no, or you have like a mascot for a, for a baseball game. You have a mascot for a baseball game. You know what I mean? Or but that's whatever. part of the overall entertainment. So that saying, like so you're going to the for marketing though. Yeah. For marketing reasons in order to pull in those people. Yeah. Uh, so there they already paid for the product, and you're adding it on as extra adver- uh, extra entertainment. Meaning what they're paying for is entertainment when they come to the baseball game. Here what they're what they're what you're selling has nothing to do with the with what you're giving up. Not service. Yeah. This is based in product. Yeah, for pro- yeah, exactly. So it has to be a completely different product. And this is only according to Rabbi Yehuda. Chachamim uh, argue. Chachamim say matirin. They hold it's, it's, it's mutter uh, because you're not tricking the guy. There's no geneva's das. This is consa- considered an acceptable form of marketing of bringing people in. Um, and therefore it's permitted to hand out something that's completely unrelated to your product. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how this machlokas comes out. Uh, and it would come out any time you're offering something completely different from, uh, from what you're actually selling. Um, okay. Next, uh, next halach in the Mishnah is that you cannot sell something for much less than what the market value is going for. Uh, so if the... Yeah, exactly. You can't undercut everybody uh, in the marketplace. Okay, so where's the level of that? Ah, uh, so let's just see the full machlokas here, and then we'll try to get to the to the root of what they're arguing about. Uh, so that's again probably Rabbi Huda, it's the Tanakama, uh, probably Rabbi Huda. But Chachamim Amrim Zachor Latov, Chachamim say no, they, uh, he should be remembered for good. This is an amazing thing, right? Because you're undercutting everybody. Now the other sellers are going to have to lower their price, uh, and by yeah, competition's good for business. And there, yeah. So, so now we have. Usually go according to Hakamim because they're right. Usually in the Mishnah. So what is it like? Ten percent? But sometimes if you're a big, big player and you undercut the market, push the other players or make them bankrupt, so that you then take over. And then you can push the price back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so what Tibi's saying is uh, what many conglomerate farms do, right? You have these little mom-and-pop farms, uh, and these guys have these conglomerates with these huge tractors and sewing and all the machinery that's doing it for them. So they're basically able to undercut, and sometimes what they'll do is they'll... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they'll do it just for a month at a time. Yeah, yeah, uh, until they dry out the competition. Yeah, and then and then they'll go. They'll raise the price back up once people are out. Uh, 
I had a friend that went and bought all the stock for water guns off uh, off uh, China when it came springtime in the States. He had like a million dollar credit line with his American Express. Just bought all of it, all the containers that was possible. Every yeah. single shop. Yeah. All the water guns. And he was number one seller on Amazon. He did a little package. With, you could only buy three at a time. Marketed it up, $60 for a water gun set. Yeah. Sitting there packing sets and just nonstop selling the whole summer long. Yeah. He bought all, all the supplies. Yeah. Is he undercutting people or is yeah, he being so okay with his profit margin? Like, yeah. It's also a risk. Oh, it's it's a monopoly, costs, basically. Yeah, yeah, but say something costs you $30 and the market is selling it for $120. Why aren't you allowed to be like, they're being greedy. I'm going to sell it at 60 because I'm happy with 100% profit. You're not undercutting them. You're doing moral business. Yeah. Uh, so it, it would dip, there's um, there's something in, in halacha called ona. So ona is when you're overcharging people for the price, um, based on what on where they are. So like in the zoo, they charge let's say ten dollars for a Coca-Cola because they know there's nowhere else or airport, right? So that everybody raises the prices. Uh, that would be permitted because um, um, scarcity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not scarce. They, they, well, they don't let you bring you liquid. Yeah, you're, the, you're, you're charging a. <laughs> you're trapped in there. You have to buy it. Yeah, uh, but but if you're in a in a regular space, right, where people aren't uh, aren't signing up to be in and and where there's no other drinks, uh, so over there people are they're basically agreeing that they're going to be in a place with no drinks and leaving their drinks behind. Uh, but if you're in a public space and one person raises his price more than a sixth of the market value, uh, then it would not be permitted. There, you're overcharging people, ripping them off. Uh, it goes under the category of ona, which literally means like bite. You're like biting people. You're like forcing them to pay more, even though they might not want to, uh, and therefore it wouldn't be it wouldn't be permitted. Uh, that's also only if there's a general market value for that for that thing. Right, so let's say gas prices, there's a market value for what people are charging for gas, and you're that store that's uh, way higher than everybody else. Uh, so then uh, nowadays there's much less of market value. Everybody kind of charges however much they can get. Uh, there's not, um, it used to be there's like 10 peddlers all selling the same thing, and there was like a set price that they kind of all stick to, uh, and then you're that guy who now uh, is biting everybody because you know. Uh, there's no other peddlers in that neighborhood or something like that. Uh, so that would be usher. That would not be permitted under the category of ona. Um, so, so coming back over here, uh, this, this is, are you allowed to lower the price more than everybody else, undercut everybody in order to drive all the business to, toward you? Machlokas, Rabbi Huda holds, no. Uh, it's ultimately bad for the for all the other sellers. You're undercutting everybody. Chachamim uh, say no. That's the best thing that you can do because he's kind of looking from the perspective of the buyers. Now you're lowering the the, the market price, uh, and therefore it's permitted. We're going to see in um, in some of the next sources that um, that the Chachamim only really uh, there are those who hold that the Chachamim only agree that it's a good thing if it's going to lower the general price of that thing overall. Uh, but if you're only lowering it just for your gain in that moment, and you know you're not going to affect the overall price, right? If you're just doing it so that, uh, so that you can make a quick buck, then even the Chachamim say it's not a good thing. Another uh, example I have going back to there is the, the meat industry. Yeah. So how come Kohl's is allowed to reduce the price to half on the day of? when they should have been selling it at that price all along. Mm. 
How come kosher meat's allowed to be sold that way? Yeah. Uh, so it's only the last day because they know there's no other way. So they're selling it at whatever profit margin they need. Uh, again, when it comes to kosher meat, you have to, it's taking up space in their store. Plus, there's less buyers, right? So plus, you're paying for shkita. 40% of your meat, you need to resell because they end up with holes or bumps in the lungs. Uh, and yeah, there's a, and the salting process is uh, pretty intensive. So you, it makes sense, really, that you're paying 35 to 40% more. saying four hours after the chicken comes out of the oven, it sits on the shelf for four hours. Four hours later, it's marked down by... Yeah. Three quarters, whatever. So exactly that's the store's choice. They, because they know this but is the last day to product, sell it if so they don't. They be, shouldn't they be told if you're gonna sell the kosher product in this way, then it has to follow the kosher guidelines. It's not. Which is what? Which is to not gouge. The gouging from the front door, like, say I'm vegan, so this is an argument I'm making just to, to yeah. look at kosher as a whole and the, the way that the loopholes are made. Uh, a raw chicken. A week before it's used by is yeah. thirty-five dollars. Right. On the day it's used by, it goes down to five dollars. Yeah. Which shows me that they're covering their costs on that day. Uh, Why couldn't they just make a hundred percent? Why were they allowed to make eight hundred percent on their meat? Yeah. And then make their cost on the day of. Mm. Uh, so but it doesn't. Yeah. It, it doesn't necessarily mean they're covering their costs. They might be taking a loss uh, when they sell it at half off. Uh, but they, yeah, it's better because otherwise they're gonna have to throw it out, right? As soon as it passes the date, uh, I one time tried buying a thing of meat no, no, uh, that was half off. Buy, if it was used by, the Best register will pick it up. It won't. By, it so what if you done. have a product produce that's less quality of everybody else? Are you allowed to undercut then because it's different qualities? Ah, you say, have a license to lesser quality, fruits that's lesser quality, or like we're saying, yeah. things that you have to use by. So you sell only use by today. Whatever. Yeah. I, so as long as people are able, so as long as people are able to tell that it's a that it's a, uh, that it's not as good as a product. You advertise it basically. Yeah. Or people can walk by and check the quality of the produce. Uh, but what we're gonna see is you can't put if you have like a barrel of uh, of wheat kernels, so you can't put the good ones on top. And then underneath yeah. is all the bad ones, and then Absolutely. people see the good ones on top, and uh, and that's often what uh, the fruit sellers do. They cut up the perf, they cut up five watermelons, find the perfect uh, super red one, to spray that in plastic, and then they have all the watermelons next to it. Uh, and that was really uh, took them five tries to to get that watermelon. Uh, so such a thing that's not actually reflecting the the quality quality of your produce. Maybe you can make an argument like it's reflecting what you possibly can get in your it's, it's, it's reflecting the maximum capability. Yeah, maximum capability. <laughs> and if you, can, if you know how to pick the watermelon, you'll get a good one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's such a situation you should uh, you should advertise the average watermelon as opposed to your one in five lucky shot that you got. Um, yeah. Um, okay, so let's finish. Uh, we've got one more minute over here. Uh, so we had the Chachamim that says, Zachor Latov, no, it's a good thing. Lo Yibras Agrisin, that a person should not sift out the bad from the from his kernels. Uh, so you have kernels with a little bit of chaff. It doesn't look that great. 
Uh, so you're not allowed to, uh, you know, r remove the chaff in order that it looks nice, shiny. For sale. But when you're cooking, you're allowed to take it out. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so over here, the so the Tanakama is saying that that's not something that a person should expect. Divrei uh, Abashol, that's only the opinion of Abashol. The Chachamim Matirim, the Chachamim say it's mutter. You're allowed to, you know, shine up your product, make it look nice, and put in a little bit of extra work in order to, you know, to make it look presentable. You're not misrepresenting your product, right? That's your product actually, that's, it's representing what it actually is. Uh, you're just touching it up a little bit, and that's permitted, according to the Chachamen. But what they do agree is that you're not only allowed to remove the chaff from the top layer of the, of the barrel or wherever you're selling from, and then at the bottom layer, you have all the, uh, with all the chaff still on it, because there, only the top layer, you're making it look uh, nice and pretty. Uh, and then people are going to scoop up and they're pulling from the bottom layer as well. Uh, and then you're misrepresenting what's actually in that barrel. So that already, according to everybody, even according to the Chachamim, is not going to be permitted because it's Gonevesa'ayan. You're making it look better than your product actually is. Uh, so that's going to tie in a lot into all kinds of false, ma false marketing, photoshopping your product, uh, etc., as we'll, as we'll see later on. Uh, and then a person can't spruce up and make uh, a person look nice right so it's a machlokas over here Rashi holds that it's referring to an Eved that you're selling uh, there are other Rishonim that say it's the Eved himself he's selling himself for his own value uh, so you're not allowed to make yourself look nice let's say you uh, you dye your hair to make you look younger uh, or something like that uh, that would not be permitted uh, interestingly enough, some of the poskim uh, based on this, they discuss a, a man or a woman going on a date. So can they start doing cosmetic surgery or dyeing their hair uh, or putting on tons of uh, cosmetic products? Right now you can kind of change the look of anybody. Uh, so is that permitted when a person's going on a date or is that misrepresentation of your actual looks? Uh, we'll have to get into that as well. Neither an animal or kalem. Uh, so we kind of got an overall view, the source, Mishnah inside. And then uh, next week we'll go into some of the halachas, the panemeiros, as well as some of the other achronim on the matter to, to get a clearer picture.